Welcome to Night Talk, a podcast dedicated to hidden knowledge, the occult, paranormal, and the shadowy corners of our lives. Witchcraft has been in our vernacular for centuries, but often misunderstood. Misunderstood at times to a dire extent. Atrocities such as the Salem witch trials and European persecution has plagued the witch for time immemorial. These days there seems to be a renaissance of witchcraft in the occult as it enters modern consciousness. You can see it in media, art, and music. Could we be moving into a new era of awareness? Kat Cabral, my guest for this episode, is a practicing witch, tarot reader, and occultist. We had a great conversation about her journey as a practicing witch, as well as the different philosophies and practices that she utilizes on a regular basis. All throughout media, there's been this apparent rise in the interest in witchcraft. You know, there's TV shows like Sabrina. Uh, Everywhere you look, there seems to be media regarding witchcraft, witches, uh, magic, the paranormal. Well, the paranormal has always been a, a big subject with people. Okay. But one of the things that people don't know is that witchcraft is actually a thing that is uh, done with intention and that there are actually people out there who are practicing serious witches. Like you, Kat. Hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how did you um how did you find witchcraft? So I found witchcraft um, in two um, interesting ways um, at pretty much the same time. I was in high school, about 13, 14 years old. I grew up in Long Island. Hello, mm-hmm. Long Island people. And strong Island. Yes, Strong Island all the way. <laughs> and where I grew up, there was a really fantastic New Age metaphysical kind of all around witchy shop. Actually, now that I think of it, there were two in my hometown. One of them is still in operation today called A Time for Karma. It's in Rockville Center. It's great. And it's recently expanded because there is such an influx and interest in, I think, spirituality and witchcraft in general. Mm -hmm. So it's been interesting to see this little store that's kind of gone through different, you know, you know, makeovers over the year, sure. now double in size. And anytime I'm visiting, people are, it's just mobbed. So I would just kind of went in there casually. And then I remember going to uh, a local diner and I saw one of the women that worked there all in black right, with other women all in like dark hues eating, laughing, and they looked kind of mysterious. And I'm like, oh, they're witches. (laughs) You know, it's like a silly story, but I don't know. There was something about that camaraderie and that group of ladies that really intrigued me. I kept going back. I started buying books. And then simultaneously, I ended up babysitting for a Wiccan family. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, my friend Maddie, so wonderful. And she had this incredible bookshelf of occult books, as well as herbalism, tarot, anything you can really think of, she had it. So anytime, you know, the children would go to sleep, I would just pick up a book. 
So I had this great education from her and thank you from her lovely bookshelf. And I don't know, I think even before that I was raised Catholic and the ritual of the church was something that was really meaningful to me. Even now, I, I don't have an issue. I mean, the politics of the church, that's a whole other podcast, right? Oh, but, yeah, the politics <laughs> of the church. Right, yeah. but... but um, well, you know, the Catholicism, yeah. you know, Protestants almost look at Catholics like these pagans oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you know, I've, I've spoken, oh, you know, in my travels uh-huh. across this land, I've spoken to people who are, re- you know, some people are religious, some people are Protestants, and they're like, oh, Catholics, well, they're not even really Christians, you know what I mean? And I can, <laughs> and that statement beckons back to my upbringing as an Italian American and my grandmother sure. who came from Italy. Yeah. And all of this, at the time I wasn't aware of paganism, but there was a lot of very, as I later, as I look back, pagan imagery mm-hmm. and a lot of things that actually, as I found out more about other types of philosophies, seemed to leach itself into the Christian, the Christianity. A lot of things kind of melted together over time. And I mean, that's what happened all over the world, you know, with cultures. They just mix. Um, But especially with Catholicism and, you know, kind of like European paganism. You know, you see it with all the holidays. Yeah, all the holidays, especially Christmas, you know, which is like essentially a pagan holiday. And and even in South America with uh, Santeria and Mm -hmm. uh, Santa Muerte, like all these religions that are somewhat denounced actually denounced by rome you know by the by the by the pope they denounced like you know santa muerte as being like devil worship and all this stuff but it is actually sort of a um you know merging of maybe an indigenous philosophy and faith with a european sort of it sort of rides on the top of a european philosophy such as catholicism or christianity yeah absolutely yeah you you see it with colonialism especially like the caribbean you know they had to hide all the african slaves had to hide their religion so they just put it with you know like so chongo and santeria Mm -hmm. you'll see that's um santa barbara right so you know you'll see that statue and that was just a really clever and smart way to keep you know your indigenous faith going and protected i mean i can't imagine what that would have been like right Um, so you mentioned wicca Mm -hmm. so just to kind of i guess clarify some things um you know you're a young young lady you like the black clothes (laughs) the darkness the mystery okay um and then when you finally start getting into the act the practical aspect of it and you know you meet this wiccan family what can you define what Wicca is? Sure. So Wicca is. So the way I like to define Wicca um, is I like to start with witchcraft, which as kind of a whole is a giant umbrella term. Everyone that um, practices witchcraft or has an interest in it practices it in their own way, as well as what is natural to their culture, their country, their upbringing. So witchcraft can vary around the world completely. And everyone will have a different answer about what is a witch. Wicca, I think Wicca is, you know, the more sort of popularized version of witchcraft coming over from England and Gerald Gardner 
in the 1940s or so, coming over to America with his book Witchcraft Today, published in 1954. That kind of brought a lot of the European um, sensibility about paganism to America. And it was really a modern religion that was created based off of some historical things and some things borrowed from other occult traditions, and it kind of merged together. So that came over to the U.S. in the 50s. Then really in the 70s, other authors like Starhawk, Margot Adler, who passed away just a few years ago. Starhawk had the spiral dance, and then Margot Adler had Drawing Down the Moon. This really, along with the feminist movement, mm-hmm. really kind of brought out, you know, the goddess movement. And then in the 80s and the beauty of Llewellyn Publications, you started to see Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner with Scott Cunningham. And there really was this huge interest in um, spirituality and witchcraft in a modern new way that was popular and accessible because, you know, traditional Wicca as defined by Gerald Gardner and brought over from England Mm -hmm. is very regimented. Um, It's like a tiered system. That kind of Wicca today, while still popular and practiced, I think when people say, oh, I'm Wiccan, that's not what they're thinking of. They're thinking of all the kind of general books that you see on modern Wicca or witchcraft. So... The terms are inter- interchangeable to some people, others would argue, yeah. but Wicca is is actually legally recognized as a religion in the in the U.S., so there's a distinction there, but every well, witch would, will say something different. Yeah, I mean, I, I would view it as, <laughs> as one aspect of the sort of overarching body of exactly. witchcraft, you know, because like you mentioned earlier, depending on what region you're in, I mean, there's... You know, the in Italy, there's was Iradia. Oh uh, yeah, uh huh. Stregas, yeah. yeah Strega, and you know, then you go to different parts of the world, and then there's their own their own style of witchcraft, and then Wicca would like as you described it, be based more as as a European, Anglo kind of mm-hmm. uh, pagan, you know, religion. And it synthesized a lot of the different traditions that were you know, in Europe at the time. So a lot of modern Wicca and witchcraft today comes from Celtic traditions as well as Germanic traditions. And then, you know, depending on the witch, you know, if they have Italian ancestry, if they have Caribbean ancestry, people throw in what they know and what kind of, you know, um, spirit or practice calls them. So one of the things that, It's a very, you mentioned feminism in the 70s, okay? And uh, my understanding of Wicca and witchcraft in general is that it is a very matriarchal sort of movement. Is that true? Yeah, I think so, absolutely. Um, It definitely is because I think for the first time ever in history, and I think this is an interesting discussion that a lot of scholars and authors have debated over time, you know, there are, there's images of kind of like the Venus of Willendorf, um, famous kind of beautiful figure in caves in France and Spain. You'll see from like 2000 years ago of these goddess images. Did people worship, uh, you know, a goddess? There's not really concrete evidence of, you know, was there ever a matriarchal society? A lot of modern pagans feel like 
modern paganism or witchcraft, you know, we're, we're reclaiming our, our goddess. We don't know if that was the case or not. Um, I'm not an anthropologist, but there are many out there that are amazing that have mm-hmm. written great books. Witch Craze is a really interesting book if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, but I think the fact that the goddess is put center stage, I think that's why it's appealed to so many people who maybe have felt ignored, especially by, you know, the kind of main, you know, religions, you know, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Those are all definitely. G-O-D, baby. Pa- patriarchal. <laughs> he's, he's a big old man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a male dominated sort of patriarchal thing. Sure. Which, you know, is debatably that's, um, you know, the, like a hunter gatherer, like a hunter gatherer society. Totally. Is like the sort of settlement of our hunter gatherer ancestors. I think, kind of, in my in my opinion, my my theory, hypothesis, if you will, is that once we started forming these groups, is that's when these these uh, matriar- uh, patriarchal sort of monotheistic religions started arising, because of like you know this male dominated society. We're in these cities, in city states, things like that. But when we were hunter gatherers, and once again, I'm just talking off the top of my head right now just based on a bunch of books i read (laughs) um that there was like you know maybe the women were the ones who actually were more they're 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 in charge of herbs and cooking and gathering medicinal things and in, in my in my opinion that's sort of the essence of like witchcraft is like oh it's a huge part of it yeah absolutely um that that being said, it doesn't mean that there isn't the God in a lot of Wicca, especially, you know, the first form of Wicca. It was, you know, it still is, I should say, viewed as, you know, there is a divine feminine, the goddess, and a divine masculine, the God, um, kind of the, the typical polarity the archetypes of like the sun and the moon so that is how a lot of wiccans practice so there's absolutely a place um kind of bringing out the most divine element of yourself so to speak um there's also lots of different witches that maybe just worship the goddess maybe it's more you know male centric or they're just like fuck gender it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. we're you know it doesn't really matter so i think that's what's nice now is that there's a lot more kind of freedom in that. Well, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, there's the term universal balance. Yeah, I like to say divine spirit. A lot of times when I write about witchcraft nowadays, um, I just put, you know, divine spirit, and then you can fill in what you're called to. So, you know you know, Caridwen, who's like the keeper of the cauldron, and she's, you know, in the Celtic tradition. I've always been really um, intrigued by her. Um, She just, it's a, she's a beautiful goddess with an incredible mythology that just calls to me. Maybe someone else will, you know, look at her and go, I don't know, I don't really feel connected to that. And that's okay. Right. Now, being a formal religion, what are some of the, the, facets of practicing that religion being like a uh you know practicing witch practicing wiccan like what, what are some of the what, some of the things that you would you know that would, would typify that so i think really the main thing is about nature it's about connecting with the divine spirit that's above us 
as well as below us. So nature is the key. Most witches or Wiccans and pagans, I should say, they um, follow the wheel of the year. So the kind of magic that is naturally found in the seasons, as well as practicing magic with others or alone during, you know, the different lunar cycles and really kind of finding, you know, empowerment as well as yourself. Maybe that sounds hokey, but I think anybody that is interested in spirituality, they're on a quest, you know, they're trying to find their highest self. They're trying to find their place in the world and witches like to find magic. (laughs) (laughs) You you touched on a subject that um, comes up quite often when you, whenever you read about magic or, you know, high magic or ceremonial magic and the high, the concept of the higher self, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I could, I'll let you, I, I would prompt you to talk about that a little bit of the different aspects of like, you know, the higher self and the material world and all this sort of stuff. Cause I find that to be pretty fascinating. It is fascinating because I think it's a lifelong journey and you can be a student of any kind of discipline or practice. And I do think witchcraft is a practice. I think like anything, you know, if you're going to, you know, just go to yoga once a week, you're not going to find any kind of spiritual fulfillment or physical fulfillment or change. You know, it's, you know, I think it's something that you can be casual about, but I find it more rewarding if you really build a solid practice. Now you can uh, practice by yourself or you can practice with a group of people, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, with back to the the higher self kind of thing you know I think it's about you're trying to discover yourself and many parts of ourselves are not always our highest selves you know we have all kinds of different energies and secrets that by performing rituals maybe you know rituals with other people you can kind of learn something about yourself um, through that discovery it's very intimate and personal and your shadow self, that's something that people talk about a lot. And I think it's really encountering the things about yourself that frighten you the most and getting a little comfortable with it, you know, turning the lights on and going, okay, this is, this is a fact. This is something that might be really ugly, but if I want to grow, I have to face it. I can't, you have to walk through the fire. You can't ignore it. And for some people, that's a solitary act. Mm -hmm. They like to perform their rituals alone and that's fine. Um, I did that for many years and I always, I've done public rituals for so, for so long and I, I enjoyed connecting with people in that capacity. And then I, I joined different magical groups just because I wanted to see what it was like. And I don't think there is one way that's better or worse. I think it's really about what works for you. I will say there is something when you are collectively working as a group of witches towards a common intention that you feel that energy in the room. It's palpable. And I think it's worth a shot. If anyone's curious, just to try it once, even if it's like a public ritual, if it's done well, you should really feel something and connect. So how would people find out about these like public rituals and things like that? I mean, um, you know, if you're out there and you're someone who's interested in this kind of stuff, right? You're interested in spirituality. Some of the topics we're discussing resonate with you. How would you go about 
connecting with like-minded people. Say you live in, you know, the middle of the country somewhere. Mm. You know what I mean? So I do think it's easier if you live near, you know, not just a major city, but a city and find out where the local witch stores are <laughs> or any kind of occult store or new age store. Another thing with the rise of popularity with witchcraft now is that there's so much on the internet, right. which, you know, brings all kinds of opportunities it can also make it harder to connect sometimes because there's almost so much out there. Um, but I think it's it's a process, you know, of kind of weeding through the bushes, so to speak. Um, there's also WitchVox online, which is kind of, it's an old school website. WitchVox? WitchVox, yeah, V-O-X. Oh, wow. Okay. And there are a lot of pagan groups that post you know, information about their covens. So that's a way. Facebook groups, um, but I, you know, I think you know I'm I'm in New York as you are too, and there's so many different stores, and most of them have public rituals and different events where you can take classes or you know meet people, and then see if it resonates with you, and yeah. then go somewhere else. You know, yeah, because one of the, one of the things that I think is important to keep in mind too is that there is no right or wrong answer to any of these things and it's like if you go somewhere and you don't feel comfortable there probably is another place you can go to that'll make you feel you know comfortable and you'll pe meet people that you like or feel like you have common interests or something like that and even any of these different systems it's finding the system i guess that works for you and not just like you know some places are focused more on say santeria or whatever and that might not be your thing you might have another thing that you're into you know and another thing, too, that you touched on earlier was, you know, the shadow self and looking at the uncomfortable sides of things. And this, I think, is where Christianity and these kind of like monotheistic religions diverge drastically because the concept of good and evil, which exists in... Christianity, Judaism, you know, Islam, whatever, mm -hmm. where there's a judgment of certain darker things. And I think in, you know, paganism or any of these other types of philosophical belief systems that there really isn't necessarily a good or evil, like the light and the dark sort of coexist together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you can be a complicated person and have different aspects of light and dark in your life and that would make up who you are. And you don't necessarily um, turn your back on the dark side or the light side, but the idea of trying to serve the higher self is something that puts that whole thing in balance, I guess. You just summed that up so nicely. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You know, in so much of witchcraft, all the activities take place in a circle mm -hmm. and then you're also looking to the moon for guidance and it's a circle and it waxes and it wanes and as we go through our life we wax and wane we transform and we shed our skins and sometimes it can be a brutal process right so I think that's why a lot of these different paths appeal to people right now because I don't know. I, I can speak for myself. I I loved church and I loved the rituals. 
And I actually loved going to confession. You know, it felt great to be in that room and be like, this is my secret and I want to confess. But, you know, after that, you know, now what? And I think with witchcraft, you know, because, you know, the element of doing something, it's, it's practical. It's, it can help you work through an issue. And a lot of people ask me, well, what does it mean to do magic? So you can perform a ritual. You're basically raising energy and that can be by sex. That can be by dancing, by chanting, um, visualization, any way that you feel like the energy is raising basically. Um, because magic is, you know, you have an intention Right. And then you do something, you raise energy to show divine spirit, goddess, universe, that this is what you're interested in achieving. And then the difficult part is the third and final part, which is letting go and trusting. And that's the faith element, yeah. which in any you know spiritual path is different because you have to hold out and then see what the results are. Now, at this point... Any, any any listeners out there casually listening to this and have their both feet firmly planted in the material world, I just want, I'm going to challenge you and say that visualization is something that everyone practices on some level and it's a very powerful tool. Oh yeah, every and, day. I mean, think about yeah. it before you go into like a job interview or a date or something and you're, you know, you're kind of just like imagining like, okay, I'm going to go into this room and, you know, you imagine the scenario and how it's going to go, you know, your handshake yep. or like the way the the room looks, um, especially people who have active imagination, you know, sure. if they're daydreaming and fantasizing. It's not that far off from visualizing. You're already halfway there yeah, at that point. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, if you want something, you desire something, I want to, I want a new job. I want a car. I want something in material or I want to be happy or the thing is, is what put, putting together a, a plan of action around that visu visualization and taking that visualization, just those ideas, and taking it to the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth step, and then watching it unfold as these things actually happen. And you know, a lot of people take that for granted that they have the ability to do those things, but that in and of itself is a magical practice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and intention is is a really important thing because so often, you know, we might have this intention and I worked at Enchantments which is I think the country's second oldest occult store located in New York for over 10 years and that taught me more about human nature and their desires and their intentions and how we're so similar you know everyone thinks that they're this you know stark individual and we are individual in certain ways but I think at our core there are certain things that tie us together which is the beautiful thing of humanity and so often we might have an intention you know I need to make more money okay that's Com always the right a common the thing there's always the two the two things were money, <laughs> money and, and love. love that was it yeah <laughs> absolutely so but then it's such a huge kind of question okay money what's the energy behind that material gain 
earthly possessions, security, the ability to take care of yourself. You know, you really kind of have to look at your intention and boil it down to what is it that I actually want? You know, especially with love magic per se, you know, you might you know, have a crush on someone or get fixated. Well, what is it really about this person? Is it the idea of the person? Is it what the person represents or their, you know, who they're associated with? You know, are you, is it more obsession? Yeah. Or do you really have like a genuine connection? You know, and during all this whole thing of like understanding your intentions, that's when, you know, we talked about evil and we talked about things like that. That's when actually negative things can slip in. The doorway can be open. It's very easy for, you know, lack of a better term for demonic forces. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, and in my, in my, I mean, I, I have like a lot of ideas about demonology as well, but one of the things is these lower forms that you let into your life that might have to do with some of these higher intentions. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I want I want this. So I'm going to take a shortcut to get there. And that shortcut opens up the doorway to something negative. And that could be, you can call that a demon. You can call that mm. a bad idea. You, mm-hmm. But somehow that could be the undoing of your entire plan. And I feel like there's always a price. I mean, I, I genuinely mean this when I say it. I really feel that witchcraft i think it's a personal choice how you want to practice it for the most part i you know there's no such thing as white or black magic black magic i feel and maybe there's somebody out there that can help educate me on this but i think you know at least in my experience you know white magic like i remember seeing the spell book like white magic little spells or something Mm. like that it was cute but I thought there's no such thing because it's all one giant gray area and black magic. I feel like had a connotation in history that was probably racist coming from, you know, voodoo and Santeria, you know, like, you know, that kind of thing. So it's awful to even say that magic is magic and it's your intention. And I think for me, you know, there's like the Wiccan read. Um, There are groups of witchcraft that follow kind of, I don't want to say morals, but a code of honor. Mm -hmm. And I personally try to follow a code of honor. And I think if you're working in a coven or a group, it's important to establish those rules and see, are you working with people and you're on the same page as each other? Um, There was a big thing when Trump got elected, a lot of different people were doing sort of hexes on him. It was, you know, in the news, it was a big deal. And you know, I really feel like there was definitely camaraderie and something beautiful about people coming together that were really angry about this. And I think it was cathartic. Um, and I think it's a personal choice. You know, would that solve the problem? I don't know. Um, if he gets impeached, um, who would come in next? Yeah, exactly. Somebody who's quite a bit more conservative so I don't know if that would solve the problem that being said I know people really felt empowered and um, wonderful so I'm glad that that experience is out there so I think it just boils down to your own code of ethics and just 
you know, we know, we know if we're doing something that doesn't feel right in our gut. And it's oftentimes a question of, are we just ignoring it and going, well, whatever. Well, that, and that's exactly whatever. what I'm talking about. Though. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to brush this under yeah. the rug and I'll deal with it later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying about demons. It's yeah. Like, you get It'll that tingle. You. you get that tingle. Yeah. That you know, you know that this is like probably not the right way to go about things. Like for example, like to go back, we use uh, the Donald as a oh, um, an example yeah. here. Uh, you know, people. I know. I'm. I remember all the hexes. Yeah. And there was a group out here in Bushwick that yeah. was doing something. Catlin, an amazing store. Yeah. I love them. I think they're great. And and I remember thinking like, like, there's a certain stream of life i think there's a certain things happen and then you you react and you mod you kind of go with the flow of the universe and it's to try to like circumnavigate that is the kind of thing which opens up you know the doorway to a darker force possibly you know i mean say say you know say trump vanished you know say like he just disappeared one day you know what would take his place Mm -hmm. who would take his place i mean i think i can't speak for them but i think at least what that did i know is really it i think it brought a sense of witchcraft as activism yeah and that was what was important about that event um you know whether it worked or not you know i think i think the i mean yeah i mean there's so much turbulence and energy just going on right now i mean people's intentions are we are feeling them (laughs) you know it is out there but um i think it just kind of gave people that realization like oh you're powerful you know you know your anger and your rage it can be used in an effective manner and then that's how are you going to use that you know i hope people vote i hope people vote locally and Mm -hmm. actually like learn about their local politics and really research things and and get involved in any way that you can, whether it's large or small. I think sometimes um, with activism, uh, especially in the witchcraft world and in general, there's this pressure. I'm not doing enough. If you're if you're participating in, in some small way, that's a magical act. You're doing something. To sit back and do nothing, you know, that's apathy and you're not doing anything. Yeah, definitely. So I do think your witchcraft, you know, especially with like global warming and if Uh it's a nature religion, you know, you've got to do something to care about the environment. There's got to be something there because it's what gives us life. It's what gives us energy and power. So, yeah, I mean, that's, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be enjoying our lives right now with the sun, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and the earth wouldn't exist and this part of this over, you know, it's bigger system and everything fits in a a very specific way. And to upset that balance. Yeah. Yeah. It teaches us so much about our human nature and just, you know, the interactions that we have every day, especially living in an urban area, you know, just going to Prospect Park Mm -hmm. or Central Park. um, I don't know, anywhere where you can just, you know, um, unplug and get in touch with that wild nature in yourself. It's, I don't know, it's critical. What sort of goes hand in hand, I think, with uh, a lot of people's idea of witchcraft is also using the tarot decks. 
Oh, which yeah. You are a professional reader. I am. Yeah. It's crazy. I I have been reading tarot for, I will date myself, probably <laughs> 15 years. Boy, you must have been really young. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Age is nothing but a number, right? But, um, um, but it's interesting to see. Yeah, I have to say, it is really wonderful to see all of these things kind of come to the forefront. There's a lot of people that are angry. Oh, witchcraft is trendy. You know, all these things are getting watered down. It's the cycle of life. Things ebb and flow. If anything, I'm really happy that maybe somebody that was curious about different healing modalities or different ways to be spiritual, they can go into kind of a generic bookstore and find something. It might not be the right book for them, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it's much more commonplace now than say, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I feel like when I was in high school, it was it was in the 90s, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, I think the 90s there was definitely starting to be that resurgence, especially with like the craft and you know, yeah, yep. Silver Ooh, Raven Wolf, yep. you know, all of her books. There, you know, was a big thing, but now it's really exploding, and tarot is incredible because it's something that contrary to popular belief I think almost everyone can do and it's a system of divination it's a system of self-care its archetypes are faces and places that we all know and have experienced and will experience so where did the tarot deck come from that's not my, my you know there's there's a lot of misconceptions about where it started where you know that so it's t- always been here. Yeah. yeah. That, that the aliens gave the Egyptians the tarot deck. You know, there's all these like uh, concepts out there. <clears throat> not I think I, I actually not heard quite. that. Like, oh, really? Yeah, someone's like, well, an alien race bestowed the tarot deck it. onto the Egyptians, and that's where it started. Because, like, isn't the, uh, the, the um, not the Hermetic deck, the uh, Krolian deck is like, has like a, an Egyptian vibe to it? Okay. So. I think because also at that time period, Egypt was really looked at, it was regarded as kind of, you know, and it it was and it is in many ways, um, their culture and their religious systems and their magic, it was regarded as kind of the highest and the most important. So that's why that kind of seeped in. There was also a misconception that um, the gypsies were I might I might be a little off about this so sorry listeners if I'm wrong but there was I believe a misconception that gypsies were in Egypt and that they brought the tarot um, you know the Romani people the kind of um, divination and fortune telling that they really did historically was palmistry mm-hmm. tarot cards or pl- and playing cards that was introduced way later right. on but the tarot was really a game Similar to bridge that was introduced, let's say, you know, the 14-1500s, the Visconti Tarot, you can actually see some of the cards here in New York at the Pierpont Morgan Library. So, you know, it's a nice treat. It's a beautiful you know, place to go regardless, but you can see some of this, you know, iconic imagery. And this was in Italy. This was for the nobility. And it was a game. And this is where, you know, at that time period, the element of divination, there isn't really clear evidence as to whether or not that was something. 
I do know that stories or songs or poems would kind of come out of some of the the archetypes and some of the pictures were based on carnival you know, figures. So mm-hmm. you see the fool, for example, right. you know, you'll see that in the masquerade and in Venice. Then later on, um, with, you know, Aleister Crowley and, you know, the golden dawn and kind of the renewed interest in occult knowledge, you know, during the Renaissance and later on, especially in like the 1800s, um, the Rider weight deck, was actually published in 1909, I believe. That's really kind of when we think of tarot today. That's like the classic. Most, yeah, Yeah. we're thinking of that because at that point, you know, before that, you know, Arthur Waite, with the assistance of the artist Pamela Coleman-Smith, she illustrated the minor arcana, which in the Italian decks, which then, you know, I skipped ahead quite some years, you know, it spread throughout Europe, when you know the rider weight deck so to speak came out there was much more context to it so the minor arcana was just you know symbols and numbers okay so before we get mm-hmm. into that oh yeah there's yeah. a major there's 78 cards yeah. there's a major arcana oh, yeah. and the minor arcana i get so excited there's yeah. so much <laughs> there's so much to talk yeah. about i'm like Wait, let me get the dates right. Yeah. No, there's a lot to talk about <laughs> it's, for sure. It's a lot, you know. And actually, I'll, um, I want to shout out to this woman that I've never met. And I'd love to meet um, Mary Kay Greer. Tarot for Yourself, a tarot classic book. Unbelievable. She has an incredible blog that details so much history. So if you want to really read more in depth about Italy and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. all of this, she's a great resource out there. Um, but yeah, it's a 78 card system. And commonly, you know, you'll see the first card is zero and it's the fool. And you'll commonly hear it's the fool's journey through life. And the fool. And I agree with that statement. And I look at tarot as that kind of journey. You know, you're going through all of these different cards to kind of learn about yourself. And there's, you know, it's broken up into different parts. The major arcana, um, the 22 cards, there are court cards, and then the minor arcana. Um, To make a long story short, I think everyone should get a tarot deck. Find one that appeals to you. You can pull a card every day and then see what resonates. You know, there's um, every time I pull the King of Cups, I think about um, a longtime Scorpio best friend. I'm like, oh, it's you. How are you doing? You know, just because of over, you know, almost 20 years of reading cards, this kind of archetype has been associated with this dear friend. Um, Other cards, you know, crack me up because I think the tarot has an innate sense of humor. Sometimes people look at it as, um, you know, terrifying because there are terrifying moments in life. You know, the devil card, the tower card, but there is lightness in those cards. There can be humor. I mean, I've pulled those cards and like, situations where I go oh yeah shit is gonna go down (laughs) and then the tower pops up of course it pops up you know well like the five of wands the five series that sort of stuff has a more of like an ominous like fives are transitions yeah so you know 
I always like the five of pentacles. People go, great, I'm going to be broke or it's poverty <laughs> and illness. You know, and you see this poor couple and they're like in these raggedy clothes and they're walking by the church window with, and there's five pentacles and it's a transition. You know, you're not going to be, you know, down and out forever, but it's a time where maybe you have to kind of analyze depending on the situation, you know, how did I get in this place? You know, what caused this? Um, also there's a church window there. Maybe you need to ask for help. You know, they're looking down, you know, in the, the beautiful imagery of Pamela Coleman Smith, you know, there's such strong archetypes, um, as well as, you know, there's Kabbalah symbols, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of occult symbols that were put in, you know, that, that was not in the original deck. It didn't exist. Actually, one of the questions that would be interesting and useful, I think, for people out there is, you know, in the minor arcana, you have wands, cups, pentacles, swords. What What's the story with that? Like, why? What are those things? So, yeah, so they're, you know, I like to describe them as, you know, they're really kind of four elemental energies. So the wands are kind of like a fire energy or more intuitive, innovative. It's an active energy. Um, The swords represent um, our minds, you know, kind of that intellectual, mental, hello, Gemini season, you know, hey, here we go. So, you know, this is, you know, ruled by Mercury. It's a time of communication. It can also be arguments and, you know, trying to, you know, rational deducting, like figuring things out. Um, The cups represent our emotional energy and emotional states and how we relate to others as well as relate to ourselves. And then pentacles represents earthly matter. So money, success, building a strong foundation. So all of these that were illustrated by Pamela Coleman Smith previously in tarot were just, you know, literally seven wands, you know, or, Mm. you know, the five pentacles. And now, you know, there's there's much more of a narrative. Yeah, that, that's how I, I, you know, I'm not, not nearly as adept at tarot as any, you know, you are other people we know or whatever. But one of the things that I, I like about it is that it's, you know, my thing's music, you know what I mean? So yeah. it is kind of like that because when you listen to a piece of oh, music, yeah. you have a, an emotional reaction that creates a narrative for you okay and it's so personal because you know i don't think i've ever pulled an identical spread ever Mm -hmm. i mean there have been some that have been dangerously close right but one card will be different that being said if you're if you're at home and you're and you're whether you're a newbie or you're experienced if you keep like asking the same question and you keep getting the same card it's like the tarot's going move on or <laughs> like come back later yeah. and that's where i think you know i don't know it didn't come from necessarily mystical origin so to speak but it has so much power and magic in it because it's evolved into this incredible system that really displays our subconscious, our desires, our human needs, and all of life's kinds of situations and dramas playing out right before us. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that, 
at the end of the day, it's 78 specific pieces of art. You know, there's like, yeah. it's, it's basically art. There are little paintings you're looking at, little mm -hmm. illustrations. So those things definitely have like an, archety an archetypical value to people. But really, it's all, it's like a projection of your experience and your environment onto these archetypes. And that would hopefully spark some sort of visualization. There we go again, back yeah, to visualization. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that would sort of formulate maybe a path forward or some kind of, uh, you know, respite or something that'll help you. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you talk to people out there who aren't familiar with these things. It's like, oh, you know, fortune telling. What am I going to do tomorrow? Like, should I go left or right? You know, like that kind of thing. Mm. But it's not really my, at least my, you know, sort of interpretation of this is not really about like fortune telling. It's about internal sort of dialogue, I guess, and or internal narratives and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's all of those things. And then I think something does happen when you're sitting with another person, especially for me, if it's somebody maybe that I've just met and that I don't know. So I'm just kind of picking up on their energy. And this is where I think the fortune telling or divination aspect comes into play because you see these cards, you know, in front of you. You might not know anything about the person sitting there and there's just a feeling. And I think having some kind of spiritual practice alongside, you know, developing a tarot practice, they really go hand in hand because... You know, even if you just take 20 deep breaths a day or meditate a little bit, you might start to see things in between the cards or, you know, that space between you and another person and psychic moments can occur. Mm -hmm. It absolutely can happen. But, you know, I, I think people that see things that are or that are mediums or that have, you know, an intense kind of psychic ability that's a real gift that's its own thing, and that can work with the cards. It can manifest, but they don't necessarily always go hand in hand, you know? Now, it's interesting you talk about breaths because breath work is is almost mm -hmm. like a way of of changing your perception, you know what I mean? There is there is like a meditative quality to that, and that definitely changes your consciousness a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about even just earlier today, you know, I was like in a crowded place and I was getting really angry and anxious. And then I'm like, I'm having a great day. Why is this situation, you know, taking my wonderful day away from me? I need to take my power back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just like did some deep breaths and you feel calmer. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, this is why it's, these are simple things. And I think the simple things are really difficult. <laughs> you have know, you, have you like, read Damien Eccles's new book, high magic? I just ordered it. Yeah. I'm so excited to read it. There's a lot of really yeah. good little practices in yes. there that, you know, you, people can start doing. I mean, you've read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got oh, it like right when it came out Aww. actually. I mean, I read his other book, yeah. the biography that he did earlier yeah. too. That was a great book. But there are fantastic. things, little things you can do that actually will help you. Like as far as like little practices that you, you know, breathing, you know, visualization, like all that stuff. And it's like very, um, a lot of it's intuitive too, but you, unless you do it, you actually go ahead and do it. You're not going to get the benefits. You know exactly. I mean? It's, and again, it's a discipline. It's a practice. Yeah. I'm so excited to read that book. Yeah. 
So that you're also very active in creating things and education for people. So what are some of the things you have coming up? So, um, I mean, I think so much of witchcraft too, I learn from, you know, all the people I've worked with and I'm always continuing to learn. So the things that I teach or put out there, it's, it's reflective of my experiences and, you know, I can't wait to learn more. I mean, that's really the beauty of it. Um, so I am happy to announce that I wrote something called the spells deck, mm -hmm. which will be published on October 1st by Chronicle books. And it's 78 cards. However, it is not a tarot deck. It is basically an introductory guide to witchcraft as I know it. And on each card, there's a different spell, ritual, or recipe, something that you can do or learn about witchcraft. There's basically eight categories. Um, a few of them I'll name will be um, animal familiars, so different kind of magical animals, witches' tools, um, bonds of love is one of them, about kind of healing the heart and love, all different kind of intentions and aspects to really hopefully my, my aim was with this was to give people a portable tangible object where they could really learn magic and then develop their own practice. So that's coming out in October and I'm really excited about it. And I'm actually holding Ooh. the deck in my hands <laughs> right now. Um, and it's a beautiful set of cards oh, thank you oh the artist her name is kim knoll and she did an incredible job creating these eight original paintings as well as each card has their own little um symbol on it mm -hmm. so they're really beautiful and i can't wait to share them yeah they're very substantial they feel it feels like you're actually holding something in your hands when you have these yeah i mean i don't know i mean that's why i love any kind of cards you know it's like the tactile they're there you know now, um, where could people buy these? I mean, if, if uh, you know, are any, any shops going to be carrying them? I or hope websites so. or yeah. Amazon.com um, or anything? Unfortunately, the, you know, the monster of Amazon will be carrying it. Cyberdyne Systems, yeah. a.k.a. Amazon.com. Yeah. Um, I believe on my website, moonagemagic.com, I'll probably have a link. And then in, you know, different magic and occult stores, mm -hmm. um, you can sign up for my mailing list on my website and then you'll get updates about when it's coming out. Well, let's talk about the site for a minute too while we're talking about it. Like what, 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 other, what other things can people find on the Moon Age Magic? So I do actually a lot of posting on Instagram mm -hmm. as well as the website. Um, I try to just post, you know, information about rituals, spells, astrology, um, just kind of different things that people can learn and do themselves at home any other kind of updates. So I do magic circles for the public. So mm -hmm. if you're in the New York area and you're curious about what a witch's circle could look like, I do those at Black Iris, which is an amazing tattoo shop and metaphysical place. They've really created this incredible space. Um, they're located in Greenpoint. So I have one for midsummer coming up on June 30th. And then in July, I'm doing a tarot class there on July 14th. Wow, this is all at Black Iris. Yeah. They, I mean, I did this at Enchantments for years. I've done corporate events. I've done private events and at other, you know, witch stores as well. But Black Iris is really something special. And 
they're just they create such a lovely warm environment so definitely check them out where can people find you on instagram moon age magic great cat thank you very much for your time oh thank you and uh you know we'll be talking to you guys at some point in the future and everyone have a pleasant time take care that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And I thank you all for your continued support. If you want to check us out on Patreon and make a donation, head over to our Patreon page. Everything went black. I'll talk to you guys soon.